Welcome back to another week of Always the Last to Know. I'm Ash. I'm Katie. So, I think it's just us this week still. Not yeah. just us. It's us, though. It's hey. We're, hello. <laughs> um, oh, how, how's, how's your week, Katie? Oh, I can fucking hear my upstairs neighbors talking. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I know. I can't complain that much, though, because Dylan, my dog, barks all the time. So I'm sure they hear that all the goddamn time. <laughs> I'm sure that's super annoying for them. Oh, my God. It's annoying for me. I was I'm sure a... it's crazy annoying for them. <laughs> As we were literally just talking, I gotta say, I have to stop saying the word literally. As we were just talking about the fact that I was so proud of my dog for not barking at my neighbor's yappy ass dog. Yeah. Yeah. My dog is the yappy ass dog. <laughs> He's the worst. <laughs> um, but continuing with the theme of last week, we're going to be uh, exploring some systematic racism issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and... This was the topic we were going to talk about regardless, the history of the police. But it just so happens that today Trump signed into law the most bullshit police reform, like really oh. focused on um, tell, more I... training. Okay. I haven't fully read into it. I, I just like saw a few things and like scanned them really quickly. I had not seen um, it yet. Okay. Yeah. No, check that out because it's... The whole focus is on just, like, more training, which, like, we've seen doesn't <laughs> Um, But, yeah, so today what we're going to talk about is the history of the police and its impact right now on everything and more specifically the um, mental health of the black community. Yes. Um, and, like, I just want to be really, really clear. Like, I'm not going to be speaking about, like, the struggles that they like black people have mental health wise. I'm strictly going to be just like talking about some stats that I discovered and a scientific study about trauma and things like that. So like before you, anyone is like, what the fuck? I'm a white woman. I have no knowledge on what it is like to be dealing with mental health as a black person. But I read some studies and some stats and um, it's, there's actually a book that connects this that I wish I had read before it, but I just, I literally found out about it yesterday. Also, like, we slightly discussed this before recording, and I I think once we get to that, everyone will see that there's not a problem, because (sighs) the study that you told me about was just, like, honestly so insightful, and it's going to be so useful now. It's, yeah, it's also, it's something to just keep in mind for all of life. Okay, on to the main course. The history of the police is, like, truly a terrible one. Like, basically everything in America, the history of this country is not awesome. It's also one that's been super whitewashed and made all pretty to make Mm -hmm. it seem like it's not totally horrible. So... Doing this research was really difficult because a lot of the history of the police is like, well, it started because of this and this and this. And uh, a lot of things get ignored. And then a lot of people in the North like to be like, well, we were not doing slave patrols. And it's like, okay, you guys were also hunting Native Americans. Yeah. Calm down. You're all racist. I do remember, Uh, like, when you started to do this research, you were texting us and you were like, I need to take a break. This is really fucking heavy. So I guess we should do like a little bit of a trigger warning. warning. Yes, we talked about this. Yes. So a little bit of a trigger warning, guys. Um, This is going to be a pretty heavy episode uh, as far as mental health aspects, just trauma Mm -hmm. that people have been through. Um it's gonna suicide. get heavy. Suicide, a suicide uh, trigger warning. Yeah, um, we talk about suicide. Um, I'm gonna be going into a history of like enslaved Africans. It's this is a heavy topic. 
but it's one that everyone needs to know about. And mm-hmm. I think the correlations I make are going to be really important. I need to stop making this about me. Shut the fuck up, Katie. Get on with what you have to say. Okay. <laughs> so in order to fully understand the history of the police, we really truly need to go over just a really brief history of enslaved Africans. Mm-hmm. Um, according to history.com, most history books and historians like to use the um, arrival of a ship called the White Lion in mm-hmm. August of 1619, which brought aboard 20 and odd, that's a quote from someone's journal, uh, Africans to uh, Virginia. Okay. And they like to say that like that's the official start of slavery in the U.S. What was the name of the ship again? The White Lion. Ugh. Isn't that disgusting? Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Jesus Christ. Ugh. Um, but you're not a, a predator, of... bitch. You're not I mean, a predator. They are. I mean, they are. You're not, a, you're not as cool as a lion. Yeah, like. Uh, uh, I know. I know. Just from the from the get go, it's awful. I know. Don't do lines like that, assholes. Uh-uh. Seriously. Um, the truth is, uh, according to Michael Guasco, a professor at Davidson College and the author of a book called Slaves and Englishmen, Human Bondage in the Early Modern Atlantic World, he essentially says, fuck no, and fuck that. Quote, to ignore what had been happening with relative frequency in the broader Atlantic world over the preceding 100 years or so understates the real brutality of the ongoing slave trade, of which the 1619 group were undoubtedly a part of, but it minimalizes the significant African presence in the Atlantic world to that point. People of African descent have been here, in quotes, longer than the English colonies. Hmm. So, like, I just wanted to include that. Yeah. Just to be clear. To make a point that that was not truly the start of it. That even even from the fucking get-go, we are just lying <laughs> about the history of slavery. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, okay, but that's not what we're talking about. Back to the 1600s. So slavery totally existed in the colonies. But ushistory.org points to the fact that a majority of households ran off of something that we already kind of had in England known as indentured servitude. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's based... Brings up yeah, the so, Irish and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the idea that you and the person you're going to be serving agree upon a set amount of time that you would work for them. And at the end of that, you would get what was called freedom dues. So, like, it would include land, money, maybe some guns, whatever you agreed upon, that would be it. But you were a human being who had a contract and a deal, and when you were done, you were free. Yeah. Um, and this was a, a pretty common, according to the things I read, they said that this was pretty common. I'm sure that it was not as common as they would <laughs> like to say that it was. Yeah. Um... But it also didn't work out super well because it cost money. And eventually the best land was taken up by like all the wealthy farm owners. And once the time was completed, many of the now freed people were then forced like way west with Mm -hmm. like mountains and like just like super fucking hard land to live on and not land that they had knowledge on how to live on. Yeah. They just spent all of this time like here working on this great farmland. Um, But in the end, it was really mostly just too expensive to continue. So that's when we switched over into like what we think of now, which is called chattel slavery. And that's when that became the norm. The idea that enslaved people were property is when that like that idea took over them. Because beforehand, they would provide room and board and food for indentured servants there was a, a monetary want to take care of this person yeah. because under contract, if you didn't, they could, they were, they could be done. Yeah. So once we switched over to chattel slavery, um, 
that entire notion was just fucking gone. Guys, this is just a post-editing note. I wanted to be very clear about this as a little correction on how I phrased that. We definitely had chattel slavery before uh, indentured servitude, but this is when we stopped almost completely seeing indentured servitude and switched over fully to chattel slavery for the cost alone. So I just wanted to be clear about that. Okay, back to the recording. The like slave quarters were born and the transition from human servant to piece of property was like officially completed. Jesus. So now it's the late 1600s, mm-hmm. the early 1700s. Okay. And people and regular businesses in the South are running off of and flourishing because of exploited knowledge and labor of their enslaved people. Of course. Everyone is making their money off of free labor. This leaves literally zero jobs left for anyone else who doesn't have enough money to enslave people. Yep. To make, to support their lives. All of the great land is taken up by large plantations. They can't have successful farms. So this you're not, fact... You're not only fucking over the people that you've enslaved, but you're also fucking over the Poor people in the country, too. Poor people. Yeah. What up, capitalism? Mm. Capitalism is racist. Okay. Yep. So that is, like, a super important concept to keep in mind. But we're going to sidestep for just one second. (laughs) The enslaved people are treated horribly, as we're all very, very familiar with. Yeah. Um, So I listened to an interview with a woman named Angela Dixon. She's the executive director of the 3L Cultural Intelligence Group in Georgia. And she talks about visiting a plantation in South Carolina. And the tour guide explained that the plantation was located a mile and a half up from what was known as the workhouse. If you had a slave whose attitude you wanted to change, whose working wasn't up to your standards, who was just quote unquote out of line you would send them to corrections for hard labor and physical beatings. Oh. Since Marty doing post edits, I may as well include that that was a direct quote from the tour guide. And you can hear that interview at uh, the podcast, police pod talk. Look for the episode with Angela. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, She has a few episodes. Uh, This one is about the history of the police, obviously. Okay. Back to the show. That became known as the correctional system. Does that sound familiar? Oh, come on. Wow. Yep. Wow. Um, yeah. Think back to the prison reform episode, I just want everyone, everyone to know that... I, I, I just want everyone to... I, right back to our prison reform episode. I want everyone to realize that my responses are not because I'm surprised by this because I'm fucking not. I'm not disillusioned to how our country runs, but it's just the magnitude of it is just so fucked. It's up. a weird, just so it's a weird up. reality to know that something that yeah. we use right now, the correctional system for our prisons, which are notoriously more filled with black people um, there, I actually have a quote from someone in a speech that says, in 2018, there are more black people in our correctional system in 2018 than there were enslaved in 1850, a decade before the Civil War. Um, and knowing that the term correctional system started with the place that they would send like enslaved people to do hard labor and beatings. It's, it's something that just like, I feel icky. And I should. It's yeah. gross. It's fucking mm-hmm. disgusting. Yeah. So that's just part of just part of a daily enslaved person's life. So obviously they're going to attempt to self-emancipate because slavery is fucking awful. Mm-hmm. So remember those poor white people who couldn't afford their own slaves? Um, and -hmm. since no one's really trying to pay for work, they're all just kind of like pissed off and poor and don't have any jobs. Guess what jobs became available now that self-emancipated slaves are trying to become Uh... slave patrol. 
I know where you're going. Yeah. So the first official slave patrol started in 1704 in South Carolina. Their entire job is, where is it? One, they had three main functions. Chase down, apprehend, and return to their owners runaway slaves. Two, to provide a form of organized terror to deserve slave revolts. And three, to maintain a form of discipline for slave workers who were subject to summary justice outside the law. Yeah. What? Subject to summary justice outside, outside the law. the law. Yep. What the fuck does that even mean? Yeah. So this is where we start seeing like a real beginning of a formalized police system. Um, because before that, the colonies really only had what Time Magazine's website refers to as the Night Watch. So it was basically mm-hmm. a really informal, based on for-profit and a privately funded system that would like employ people part-time um, for the day. And then at night, it was volunteers who signed up mostly to look out for like other colonists who were engaging in prostitution and gambling. It's kind of like a pseudo-neighborhood watch. Basically. But the system was really shoddy because the watchmen would sleep a lot and drink a lot on duty. And then... Why am I not at all shocked by that? There were a lot of people who were put on watch duty as a form of punishment. So because you did something wrong, you now have to look out for other people who are doing something wrong. That makes no None sense. None at all. That the the person doing the wrong thing should probably be the last person to police other people. Yes. Oh wow. So oh, that wow. was like what they were running off of pretty much beforehand. So now we have the creation of slave patrol. Wow. So they were referred to as patty rollers. Paddy being a derogatory term for Irishmen because it was mostly Irish immigrants who were coming over during the potato famine era were sent out with literal wagons to try and capture any runaway slaves they could find. Now, obviously, fuck these dudes. But we also have to keep in mind that this was the only way that these men were able to get money and build wealth in this society. They were, again, obviously assholes because of the way they treated the people that they captured and what they did with them but they were kind of fucked in the idea of like feeding their family a so which means that a literal us versus them was created Mm -hmm. i have to fuck you over because i don't have another option but it also doesn't really matter because everyone is telling me that your property is how they start justifying this idea. Fuck. It's always been an us versus them thing. Since the dawn of time, it's been us versus them. And that actually comes up. If you can't see, if you can't see that, your eyes are not. That actually comes up a little bit later. I'm so fucking glad you said that. Oh, So, in order to feed their families and build whatever wealth the patty rollers, quote-unquote, could, they started grabbing literally any single black person they saw. Free or not, already enslaved or not, they needed to get, they wanted to get as much money as they could. They wanted to collect the bounty for whatever they could. That shit continues for 150 years. And it starts off as that and just fucking escalates. Because, because why money it? is involved, crime is involved, mm-hmm. building your own weird fucking sense of power by beating the shit out of an enslaved human being because you're an asshole, racist piece of shit. Like it just, it builds for 150 fucking years. 150 years of an us versus them mentality being beaten into black people all over America. 
and 150 years of lies and bullshit racist propaganda led to self-created stories of hypothetical traumas plaguing the white community. It's just white people seeing these like weird ass posters of like look out for these dangerous runaway slaves like they're gonna rape you like what the fuck no they're not they just don't want to they don't want to be here yep. they want their freedom back um so that's that's down south up north it wasn't really until... I'm so glad that you're going to talk about the North. Today. I have just like a, a, a little bit of shit about the North. It wasn't really <laughs> until like 1838 that Boston's need to protect its shipping docks did the merchants decide that rather than paying for private security like they had been, the city as a whole needs cops for the greater good. New York follows suit, and same with Philly. Although, truth be told, a majority of their issues are battling the Native Americans they've been murdering, collecting taxes, and dealing with an influx of people. And when I say dealing with an influx of people, I mean continuously putting down anyone who looks or acts differently than the people who currently live in the streets. Yeah. Cue the Civil War. I'm just going to jump right to that. Because <laughs> uh, truth be told, we're in 1838. The Civil War is like 20 years later. Um, yeah. Let's just we're get just right gonna to get it. right to the fucking Civil War because everyone's like, "Oh, the Civil War, the Emancipation Proclamation, we freed the oh, slaves." Oh my lord! So the Thirteenth Amendment, the con. Also, your Confederacy only lasted like four to five years. Suck my dick, dude. Seriously, it's insane. Just, just putting that I've had there. sore throats that have lasted longer than that. <laughs> um, so the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution says, Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or place or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So... So, yes. Okay. I know what you're going to say. We're going to focus on that one part, yes. right? So, okay. slavery is totally <laughs> allowed as long as it's a punishment for a crime. Yes. So, slavery is literally not illegal. You got I got to stop saying literally. Slavery is legitimately still 100%. legal as long as it's a punishment for a crime. Yes. Which, ding, 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 all of these for-profit prisons that we've been talking about in our past episodes about that. So, Jason D. Williamson, an ALCU attorney and professor at NYU Law School, in an interview. ALCU or ACLU? Yo, I did that last episode, it's okay. Acronyms (laughs) are part. (laughs) Talks about how after... Uh, enslaved people are no longer allowed to be slave enslaved unless it's a punishment. They have no social structure in place for what to do. They don't have anywhere to go. They have no money. A lot of them can't read. They haven't been able to figure out how to fully get to any get kind any, of an yeah. education. Um, anything. There's no leg up nothing. here <laughs> at all. So because of that. This led to the creation of laws specifically targeted towards the emancipated slaves. So things like loitering, homelessness, a.k.a. vagrancy, disorderly conduct, and things like that allowed for the arrest and imprisonment of black men again for free labor, although this time totally legally allowed. And no longer slavery, but... The correctional system, which again was slavery. Real quick, yeah. Who who penned that law again? The Thirteenth Amendment. Mm-hmm. Is that Abraham Lincoln? Like, like who? Lit- <laughs> who fucking wrote that I don't shit? Know. Because. 
fuck them. See, I, I don't know. And guess what? It's okay that we don't, I mean, it's not okay that we don't know, but it makes sense that we don't know because our fucking education, our education system yeah. is a failure. I but, mean, uh, yeah. we can look that up and add that in later. But whoever fucking wrote, whoever fucking wrote that in there, you're a dick. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Me again. I just want to be clear. It was Abraham Lincoln, and I wish I had spoke up when I had slightly whispered that. Damn it, Kate. Like, what, like... You didn't have to put that stipulation in, but you fucking did. And now it's fucking over generations of people. Seriously, that was totally unnecessary. Yeah. Um, but again, oh, our man. entire economic system was built on the concept of free labor. And free labor in which you didn't have to provide legitimate housing or means to survive. Mm-hmm. So they literally had to exploit people for them to be rich and that's all they fucking cared about so they created laws to ensure that that was allowed uh sally haddon author of slave patrols law and violence in virginia and the carolinas points out that just because the patrols lost their lawful status did not mean that their influence died out in 1865 post-civil war of course. She argues that there are distinct parallels between the legal slave patrols before the war and the extra-legal terrorization tactics used by vigilante groups during Reconstruction, most notoriously the KKK. <clears throat> yep. She also points to the fact that after the Civil War, Southern official police departments often carried over aspects of the slave patrols which included systematic surveillance, enforcement of curfews, and even notions of who could or couldn't become a police officer. So, things aren't going great. (laughs) As you can hear. Um, And it's basically from, like, post-Civil War until the 1920s, where police units are fully stocked and picked by the political leaders. So, like... That's just... That's just... Isn't that fucking weird? Yeah, that's fucking weird. So... That... Yeah. So whoever your local political leader was, the police enforced their rules and their agenda. Yeah, that's not cool at all. And that's known as... There is so much bias in that shit. Seriously. So much. Because the the wow. local political leaders are elected by white men. And that's it. Yep. Like, that's insane. Um, they call that the political era of policing. So f- after that, that changes. They pass a law that sheriffs have to be voted in by um, civil, like us, the people. Um, and they and they mm-hmm. insist on taking the politics out of policing. <laughs> that hasn't happened. Um, I mean, you're literally having people vote on it, so it's always going to be intrinsically political. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just <laughs> what? <Right? laughs> that's what I'm fucking saying, dude. Dude, what? just wait. You're gonna laugh so fucking hard. This information is coming from communitypolicing.org. You are seriously like. I thought that this was a joke when I, I'm not, I'm, and I'm not being facetious when I say that. I was like, this is the best fucking onion article I've ever read. So after the 1920s until like the 1970s, uh, they refer to that as the, uh, phase of the professional era where they rejected politics as the basis of police legitimacy. The civil system, civil service system was implemented. So like they ended political influences in the hiring and firing of officers. Donald Trump fired the FBI leader. Police were no longer seen as working for political leaders, but seen as law enforcement. This is when they started introducing policing practices professional police training policing academic institutions this is when police management concepts were introduced um police training programs were formed 
and uh, police training organizations such as the International Association of Chiefs of Police were formed. So basically, like, the tools that we have now that we try and use to, like, create, like, a, a police force who has something in mind were created, and they call that the professional mm-hmm. era. Again, those <laughs> beliefs that they were putting in to police officers are beliefs from the 1970s. Yeah. Fucking yikes. So now, they say that we're in what is known as the community era. (laughs) Which they describe. Oh, that's a good joke. Dude, just fucking wait. The philosophy of community policing is not specifically defined and may vary based on individual police departments, but the underlying factors are the same. Those factors include the department reducing crime, fear, disorder, and for members of the community to feel that their police department is receptive to their feedback. That is what they say is the current philosophy of our police departments. That's an absolute farce. And to that, I can tell we you. say, go fuck yourselves. Yes, go fuck yourselves. Are you shitting me? That shit is not true. That's a fucking lie. That's a lie. A lie if I ever heard it. <laughs> Need I point um, to the hundreds of murdered black people in the streets? Mm-hmm. I had a thought. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> How they're reducing crime? Keep talking. I can't or fear. Um, shit. Wow, it was a really good thought. Oh too. man, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Keep going. Keep going. So I'm sure it'll come to that's me. real. That's the history of the police force. That. Oh, mm. I remember what I was going to say. Okay, so I can definitely count on one hand, possibly two, of officers that I know that are successfully doing community policing. Um, but that's about it. <laughs> it's definitely not total... Uh, it's not total towns of poli- of police. It's not... It's not an entire... What is the word I'm looking for? Oh my god. It's not entire precincts and everything like that. You definitely have outliers. They're a small bunch. So to say that that's what everyone is doing is just a fucking it's lie. Bullshit. It's also not the philosophy of of the departments. It's, it's just... You, you yeah. can't say that that's the truth. That's the word that i was looking for thank you (laughs) departments they're not reducing fear and they're not receptive Mm -hmm. i no one feels they're receptive to our feedback it took riots around and protests around the world to get four officers arrested and they haven't even been fucking charged and sentenced they let one out on fucking so like the trauma that exists so deep from all of that shit, from the people who are supposedly supposed to protect and serve us. So, now I kind of want to shift over from the history of the police to something known as epigenetics. And it's a sciencey thing, and I watched a TED talk about it, and <laughs> fucking shit, DNA is confusing. But epigenetic marks are chemical tags that essentially help us read our DNA. Some marks turn different genes off and some marks turn different genes on. So like if you imagine everyone as a like everyone's DNA as like their individual piano. Epigenetics is not the notes on the piano, but how you play it. Basically. There are tests done that have shown 
not only does trauma directly impact our epigenetic markers, but that that can be passed down up to three generations. So there was a study done on a, a rat and they correlated like experiencing trauma with smelling peppermint. And then it got to the point, which was fucked up. It was really fucked. Poor rat. <laughs> Peppermint's amazing also. Um, so it got to the point where they would just, the rat would smell peppermint and then would like mentally experience trauma. Her like rat pups were born with an aversion to peppermint with like the feeling and fear of peppermint, knowing that peppermint causes trauma. That is wild. And we're talking about within a rat's lifetime, peppermint just being passed down to her children. The application of that idea to enslaved people and their descendants. And the trauma that they've experienced. Is overwhelming and leaves me speechless. Mm-hmm. So what I have to say about that is that I encourage everyone to look into that and to look into a book called um, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, which talks about the trauma from slavery and slave patrols and all of those things and the impacts of that on the mental health of the descendants um, of slavery and just racism in general quite frankly. Yeah. Because that's fucking traumatic. Because it's traumatic as fuck. And it leads me to my next point. There are a lot of times in which suicide is typically labeled as like a white thing. And it's, and it's not, it's, it's just not. And when you look down and break down the suicide rates for black populations in the United States, it's truly fucking devastating. Young black people are killing themselves at an alarming rate. If you look at the suicide rates from 2009 to 2018, at 7.2 per 100,000, that's the age-adjusted suicide rate for the black population in 2018, was half of the overall U.S. suicide rate at 14.2 per 100,000. Wow. Black people make up for 13% of the United States population. But they made up for half. Half. Oh, Oh, my God. Um, Jesus. So then they break it down for suicidal thoughts and suicide attempts for adults by race. White people think serious thoughts more about suicide, but black people attempt suicide more. Both for adults and high school youth which leads me to my most fucked up statistic and something that everyone needs to really fucking think about what I'm about to say in 2015 researchers released data showing that there were more suicides among African American children ages 5 to 11 than Caucasian children and on top of that, oh, where was the other one? Um, God damn. It's rising like an alarming amount where it had a percentage. The suicide rate increased significantly in black children from 1.36 to 2.54 per million. Good fucking And Lord. decreased. In white children, from 1.14 to 0.77. And that is specifically black children ages 5 to 
11. So not only that, but black kids ages 5 to 11 holds the highest suicide rate. And then black kids in high school also hold the highest suicide rates. It's not okay. It's incredibly fucked up. And there is something deeply wrong with our system that we even have to have fucking statistics like that. It's disgusting. And it's what systemic racism is all about. And whether it comes from the history of the police, from every other aspect of systemic racism we're going to cover, these stats need to be kept in mind. From the bullying that these kids have definitely probably experienced while they were in... That's 5 through 11. That's elementary mm-hmm. school. That's middle schoolers, high schoolers. Yeah. It's the shit that these fucking racist parents are teaching their young children. And then they're bringing that to school and affecting the lives of these children. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that that's probably not every instance's reasoning, but it's a no, lot. because some of it is trauma being encoded into their DNA after mm-hmm. hundreds of years of horrible things happening to them. Horrible things. It's a problem, and this shit goes beyond just our laws. This stuff is in our genes, and we have to stop. The same way that that rat mom was able to create an aversion to peppermint to her kids, we have the possibility of creating positive epigenetic markers. We Mm -hmm. just have to be actively anti-racist. All the time. In everything that we do. Including not using words like correctional facility. Or paddy wagon for the large buses that police officers bring in to arrest protesters or drunk people on big holidays. Let's stop calling that the fucking paddy wagon, guys. Mm -hmm. That's racist as fuck. Or saying, or saying, freed slaves. slaves. If you've noticed this entire time, Katie has said enslaved people because that's what it is. Once they were freed, they weren't freed slaves. They were people who were enslaved that are now free because their entire being is not surrounded by the fact that they were a slave. They are a fucking human being first and they needed to be treated like that. A free human being first who was enslaved. They were not a freed slave. They were not a runaway slave. They were self-emancipated from the most fucked up thing I can imagine, quite frankly. And like, there are scenarios that I was reading, dude, like talking about the uh, patty rollers and how mm-hmm. like they were painting scenarios of like, uh, you know, enslaved people trying to create a sense of normalcy, staying with families, creating families and senses of tradition amongst their fellow enslaved people in their quarters. And then they painted scenarios of a man being asked to escort their the person who owns them to town and that person goes inside and tells him to wait outside and it's getting a little bit late and he's taking a long time and a fucking patty roller comes up and sees just a, a black man standing there and assumes the worst and and just and takes just them and sees them up no questions and takes asked. Them. and you don't know where you're going you're not gonna fucking see your family again the small ever things that you have been clinging to in this horrible life that you have been dragged into are taken away by a dude who's trying to get some money and he doesn't even give a shit and you can't fight back because they'll kill you you can't mm-hmm. scream out because no one gives a fuck it's And that kind of shit happened for 150 years, and every single fucking generation just had all of that passed down. It's horrible. And we can apply that same idea to Holocaust survivors and and all of this, but if we don't stop this shit and the horrible things that we're doing right now, 
the adorable children we're seeing are going to have this trauma. They will, but their kids' kids are going to have the trauma of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Trayvon Martin encoded into their DNA, and that is fucking horrible. And all of the... (laughs) Since I'm I'm going to bring it up. All of the black people who have been found hung over the past week to week and a half alone and then immediately the cops are saying it's suicide which is such bullshit and we all know it but that to bring lynching back to these people to the black community we're, we're gonna like literal hanging from a tree lynching you're going to it's going to affect their future generations of their families for a really long time and it's not okay yeah the fact that there have been i I don't know six seven in the past week and a half alone is absolutely bullshit at least seven um and just in case anyone is curious i've looked at a lot of suicide statistics um statistically speaking the number one form of suicide amongst black men is actually with guns and then the second is specifically suffocation and not asphyxiation so also go fuck yourselves for the ones that yeah also the ones that have been female uh the ones that have been women and everything uh women tend to do that in private So they're not going to go to a park. They're not going to go next to a fucking Walmart and do that. It's not suicide. Yeah. Holy shit. Holy shit. And it all just brings it back because the cops are so fucking quick, literally, that same day or the next day, saying that it's suicide. Oh, have we done a fucking autopsy yet? Don't be saying that shit. Or in Palmdale, where... And I just, oh my god, this, <laughs> Palmdale, where they said that there were no cameras facing that area. <laughs> Who was it? Um, uh, oh my god, where Billy Jensen. Yeah. Went to that I area, walked around the park where you could see the tree, and fucking took pictures of every camera that was facing that direction, whether it was on a business or a private residence that you could see that fucking tree from, and took pictures of them, posted on Twitter, tagged the fucking mayor. I think it was either the mayor or like the chief of police or something. He might have tagged both. Probably both. On Twitter. And then I think it was the mayor like deleted his Twitter <laughs> account after that. Yeah, of course. And I was just like, because you know you fucked up and the public is not here for it anymore. Dude, no. We, any one of us can go around and take pictures with our fucking phone of a crime scene site and prove to you (laughs) that you're a fucking piece of shit and you're lying. Oh, I can't. Also, for those of you who don't know, Billy Jensen um, is a... He's he's like a crime reporter, a true crime writer. Um, did you just I say did. God? He's a God. Uh, him and Paul Holes also have a podcast together where they take uh, cold cases and try to bring as much of the evidence to light so that we can try to solve those cold cases. It's called Murder Squad. It's phenomenal. Um, it's called it's called Murder Squad. They're yeah. amazing. Um, But the fact that he took the time out of his day and went and walked around that area and found every single camera that has an angle of that, but the police couldn't even be bothered to fucking do that? No, of course they couldn't. It blows my... It it doesn't even blow my mind. It's just, like, super fucking disappointing. Yeah. All of it is. Sorry for my rant, guys. I got a lot of... (laughs) I got a lot of feelings on this. I'm trying not to, like, put my feelings into it and just look at it objectively but yeah sometimes it's sometimes hard. it's hard so, and in those moments you know you what the fuck in those moments you just you know have to <laughs> remind yourself that this has been people's reality for uh generations and and it time. ends now it's gonna stop yeah. it has to stop the revolution has begun. Fucking hope so. And if you think that if you think that this isn't 
a revolution, you're fucking wrong. Yeah, I really hope so. So, yeah. (laughs) Anything else for us, Katie? No. No, that was everything (laughs) that I've been holding on to. Listen, I know that that was super heavy, but learning about this shit is super fucking important to look at the ways that we can dissect and dismantle the current systems and (laughs) completely make something anew. It's something that's going to be better for us. It's really important to just keep in mind how all of this shit started and how a lot of it hasn't changed. And it's really important to remind yourself that the way we've been taught a lot of things is not necessarily fully accurate and is a very skewed story. So I'm going to bring up something and I can't remember who said it. And honestly, I don't give a fuck what his name is because he's a racist piece of shit. But I want to say maybe like a week or two ago, some asshole, some someone who works with the police is one of the upper people somewhere in this country. I don't give a fuck. But he in an interview said history is written by the winners. And you know that when he said winners, he meant white people. And if we're being fucking honest, he's not wrong. Our history books have been written by the quote unquote winners. And it's time to it's time to take our country back. It's time to make something better than what it's ever been. I don't yeah. think it, I don't think there's and anything th- to take it th- back to. It's always been awful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's like, if you think that America, like Donald Trump's fucking slogan, if you think that America was ever great, you're fucking kidding yourself because it, it never has been. It never has no it was great before europeans got here yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. north america as a continent was great before we ruined it yeah that's all i have yeah oh that was my ankle (laughs) um yeah this is did we decide what we're going to talk about next week I think medical racism. Yes. Um, yeah. Because all of this, we're, we're going to be focusing on a lot of different aspects of it. And if we're being honest, all of it kind of intertwines. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Especially when we're dealing with awesome. mental health, we're going to kind of get into the people that you would go to afterwards when dealing with mental health mm-hmm. and um, dealing with health in general. And our shitty shitty healthcare system and uh how that goes for people so thanks for listening guys (laughs) go watch bob's burgers or something make a donation (laughs) to the black lives matter movement go watch yes make donations go uh go watch v for vendetta because i just did that this week if you want to feel like overthrowing your government (laughs) yeah that's fair that's a good point (laughs) yep that's a good point yep bye Bye. (laughs)